0: Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 146. Today's topic is the DSA's Green New Deal, Part 3. So DSA is Democratic Socialists of America. They have their very own Green New Deal, And we've talked about it the last two episodes, and we're going to continue talking about it on this episode. But first, here's what the Climate Report is all about. So, we've known for 150 years that CO2, carbon dioxide, is a greenhouse gas. And for almost that amount of time, scientists have been concerned about putting too much CO2 into the atmosphere. More recently, in the 1970s, the oil companies, scientists, knew that CO2 was going to become very problematic. And in 1988, a scientist by the name of James Hansen of NASA testified before Congress that it is confirmed that we have a situation where humans are producing greenhouse gases at a dangerous rate and that is causing something called the greenhouse effect and that was thirty-one years ago and our government has done virtually nothing in the meantime no meaningful action no meaningful leadership there are uh, bureaucrats and regulators and scientists who are working on the problem with great diligence but in terms of our elected leaders, they have done virtually nothing. In fact, they have only paved the way for the situation to get worse. In fact, in the last 30 years, uh, half of the greenhouse gases ever emitted have been in the last 30 years. That, which is to say, that the annual emissions are only increasing over time. Things like NAFTA and the World Trade Organization only increase greenhouse gas emissions. Things like the way we do agribusiness only increase greenhouse gas emissions. And climate is not the only problem we have to deal with. Climate is not the only threat to our existence. We also have war, not least of all a nuclear war, which poses a threat to our very existence. We have uh, diminishing supplies of water because of many causes. Climate is one of the reasons. diminishing supplies of fresh water agribusiness is another reason for diminishing supplies of fresh water another threat to our very existence is agribusiness itself it's an extremely dysfunctional highly polluting very insecure way of getting our food which is neither cleaner nor more productive than it would be to get our food through small local organic farms. Another threat to our very existence is the rapid loss of biodiversity, not least of all our pollinators. Most pollinators are insects, and we have lost 75% of our insects in the last 40 years, and that is a conservative estimate. We, as humans, cannot survive the loss of our insects. So we have multiple threats to our existence, and it all gets back to a system, a political and economic system, which emphasizes profit over people and planet. So we need to understand our economic system such as it is. We need to understand our political system such as it is so that we can change it. And that's what the climate report is all about. This program is part of WFMP's public affairs educational programming. The views expressed are those of the speaker and not the station. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. Also, if you enjoy and benefit from this content, then feel free to go to theclimatereport.net and get more episodes, playlists, blog posts and videos. Now let's continue to look at the DSA's version of the Green New Deal. So there are different versions of the Green New Deal. DSA is Democratic Socialists of America. It's a political organizing and lobbying group of which I am a member. DSA is also notable in that it works with certain political candidates and elected representatives such as Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who who identify themselves as democratic socialists. Other notable versions of a Green New Deal include the one that was introduced in Congress earlier this year, uh, drafted primarily by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her team, And um, so the purpose of that piece of legislation was merely to establish that the federal government has a duty to enact a Green New Deal. Another notable version is the Green Party's version of the Green New Deal, which I've covered extensively on this podcast and radio show, over 15 episodes worth. So now let's continue to examine the DSA's version of the Green New Deal. For too long, our livelihoods have been undermined by the pursuit of profit. Land expropriation, mass murder, and slavery, on a vast scale, built great fortunes. The markets in cotton and industrial goods and the system of finance and extraction That are with us today. The legacy is plain to see. People are starving while we throw away food. Buildings are empty while people sleep in the streets. Working class communities, especially those of color, are being poisoned by polluting industries that are wrecking the climate, all for the sake of making the rich richer. Now, I could not agree more with that paragraph now people on the right for lack of a better way of characterizing it conservatives and any including many democrats are have been trained to say okay we have the free market and the free market is not perfect but and it's kind of brutal sometimes but it's the best we can do we cannot make any improvements on the free market so that analysis is at best highly Problematic. For one thing, what is a free market? People who defend the free market, whether it's politicians or whether it's talking heads, I want them to explain what the free market is. Because I believed in the free market for over 50 years of my life, from when I was young enough to understand such things. But it's kind of like believing in Santa Claus. At some point, you get to where you start to question whether Santa Claus really exists. And at some point, you start to question whether the free market really exists. If you ask me, the free market is not really a thing. It's just a mythical creation that has been designed to try to prevent people from wanting to regulate business so people who believe in the free market want to prevent environmental regulations and want to prevent labor unions from forming and want to prevent the government for doing things that help us allocate resources so that people can have safe healthy nutritious food so the the purpose of the free market, the myth of the free market, the legend of the free market, the purpose of it is to keep the government from, doing, from intervening too much, because when the government intervenes, that cuts into the profits of business. And we are taught that we, that business is what drives economic growth. And if the government gets involved, then the government is going to prevent business from driving economic growth. But that doesn't make any sense because pollution is not part of economic growth. Or if pollution does cause economic growth, if polluting industries cause economic growth, then do we want economic growth? If the coal industry causes economic growth and causes pollution, then shouldn't we find a more pollution-free way of getting our energy? And if the petrochemical industry causes a lot of pollution, water pollution, etc., if the petrochemical industry causes a lot of cancer and other diseases, then don't we want to, to find a way of making plastics? which is what the petrochemical industry does, among other things, it makes plastics and styrofoam, etc., shouldn't we find a way to make materials that are useful but do not pollute? Sure, we should. So it's just silly to say that the government should just step back and not interfere with business. In fact, quite often, when the government does interfere with business, that creates jobs. For example, a friend of mine in West Virginia uh, said that regulations create jobs. When you regulate, for example, the coal industry and keep it from polluting so much, then what that does is it creates jobs in the, insofar as you have to pay regulators to do their work. That's on the government side of things. And on the private industry side of things, private industry has to pay compliance officers to make sure the regulations are complied with. So regulations actually create jobs. So regulations, sensible, reasonable regulations, are not a threat to jobs, but they are often a threat to profits. Well, we should want to threaten profits, especially if those profits go to a very rich, very few people, because concentration of wealth is bad for society. If we want to stimulate the economy, then we will spread wealth around. If we want to stimulate the economy, then we will focus more on jobs and less on Profits. Fossil fuel industries create a lot of profits. They're very profitable, but they don't create very many jobs. By contrast, renewable energy, such as solar and wind, they create jobs, but they're not as profitable as fossil fuels. So if we want to create more jobs, and less profits we will go to renewable industry because renewable energy because renewable job renewable industry creates more jobs though it's not as profitable continuing to read we can no longer allow our lives and liberation to be undermined by an extractive system that uproots wealth from nature communities workers and vulnerable peoples while imposing onto them all of the costs. So in this sentence when it talks about extractive, an extractive system that means like we extract coal from the ground and then we sell it, we extract oil from the ground and then we sell it, we extract natural gas from the ground and then we sell it. Those are profitable activities, but they're highly polluting activities and they're activities that no longer create very many jobs. So you, you create a lot of profits and then what it also says here is that those industries impose upon people the costs. Whenever uh, oil or natural gas or coal causes health problems like cancer or other diseases, we are imposing on people the costs of those industries. So one way to deal with that is to create taxes and regulations that make those industries less profitable. Another way to deal with that is for the people of your locality to be able to have veto power over who, over what industries move in. The people of, of West Virginia should have veto power over these industries that are moving in, the petrochemical industries, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Kentucky. These are places that are, uh, the, the, where the petrochemical industry is bringing tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars in, paying off, politicians and moving in against the will and against the wishes of the residents of these states. In my opinion, every the, the democratic populace of every county ought to have veto power over who becomes their neighbors. Now I'm not talking about discrimination against people on the basis of race or uh, or or ethnicity or sexual orientation, I am talking about discriminating on the basis of pollution. We should be able to just say no to polluting petrochemical plants that want to move in to our neighborhood continuing to read, we will no longer allow corporate monopolies and their political servants to control the resources we need and the outcome of our lives. So I've been talking a lot about the oil industry Uh, which they're referring to here as a corporate monopoly. You know, these these big Fortune 500 companies, they're, they're monopolies. Even if there's more than one firm within an industry, they are still monopolies. They are too big to exist. They are too big to be helpful. But I also want to talk about agribusiness, because agribusiness is a few huge firms like... Monsanto and Archer Daniels Midland that tend to control the world market for agricultural products. And one thing that happens as a result of that is that these companies or the people that sell to these companies can go into your locality, buy up all the farmland because they are are the only ones that are able to make that profitable because we have monopolies that are giving undue competition to the smaller businesses we need to have a system where we can grow food through local organic farms we need to have a system where corporate monopolies are not allowed to buy up land and thereby drive up the price of land land that would otherwise be used for small organic farms so these corporate monopolies not only serve to drive up the price of land out of reach of your average local organic farmer they also you know by the nature of what they do they pollute and they decimate pollinator populations so they come in they buy up all the land they plow up all the land They do lots of tilling, which is bad for land and bad for water. They put on fertilizers that kill all the biota, or the living things, in the soil. Quite often they plant genetically modified corn or genetically modified soybeans, which allows them to spray the crops and spray the weeds with Roundup, uh, which kills off the Weeds, a.k.a. wildflowers, that would otherwise be consumed, it would provide food for bees and butterflies. So these agribusiness corporations, by the nature of the way they do business, it is polluting and it destroys our natural resources. It pollutes water, it it has a high impact on climate, it destroys pollinators, therefore it destroys birds because birds are the same part of the same food chain that bees and butterflies are in. So, what the DSA Green New Deal is saying here is that corporate monopolies should not be able to run the show. They need to be taxed, they need to be regulated. Quite often they need to be regulated out of existence or they need to be regulated in a way that makes, makes them much, much, much less profitable. And they need to be taxed in a way that makes them much, much, much less profitable. And that so to some people, tax is a bad word, but taxes serve uh, good purposes. One thing is taxes provide revenue. Another thing that taxes do is that they serve to redistribute wealth, and we sorely, sadly, desperately need to redistribute wealth so that our society can operate for the benefit of the many and not the benefit of the very, very few, very, very rich. Continuing to read, we demand justice and power for the people to determine our future, a future that belongs to everyone living and yet to live. So, it should be axiomatic that the future belongs to everyone. The future does not belong to a few corporate monopolies that are on a fast track to destroying the world simply so they can be more profitable and that is not an exaggeration it is the uh, statement is, is a fair and accurate and uh, it's just a, a fair and accurate statement of the facts to say that a few huge corporations for the sake of becoming more profitable are Destroying our very future. They're destroying our pollinators, they're destroying our air and water, and um, they're making a food system that it has toxic food. They are buying, you know, the agribusiness corporations are buying up all the land so that it's hard for small local organic farmers to compete. So, generally, we just need to get away from a system that is by and for the few, and we need to move toward a system that is by and for the many. And if somebody asks you, what about the free market, ask them, what about the free market? What is a free market? What is a free market except for a fairy tale that it has been made up to fool everybody into a system that benefits a very few, very rich people. Continuing to read, Future generations are entitled to a beautiful planet with a vibrant natural world that can sustain a good life for all people. Let me say this, once you start to understand nature and start to observe nature you will see some things about the world that we live in that are quite shocking. For example the disappearance of insects and the disappearance of birds. Scientists will tell you that at least 75% of insects have disappeared in the last 50 years and those of us who are old enough to remember the 60s or the 70s or 80s remember a time when bugs would kind of, you know, get splattered on your windshield and that doesn't happen anymore because there aren't any bugs. So the natural world is being destroyed at a very rapid pace. That's why scientists talk about the sixth great extinction. There have been five great extinctions. The last one was 65 million years ago when the dinosaurs died out, and that one was caused by an asteroid. That was the fifth great extinction, but the sixth great extinction is being caused by humans. It's being, there are many different factors, but it's a removal of habitat. It's because, yes, it's because of insecticides, that's part of it, but it's because of a removal of habitat. Uh, all the development that we have, uh, it's unsustainable. The agriculture that we have is unsustainable because we need to share our space uh, our, in our air and our water and our woods and our lawns, we need to share those spaces with the living things that are co-inhabitants of this earth. And guess what? If we rearrange so that we have more habitat in and around where we live, work, and play, that will create jobs but it poses a threat to the profits of the big corporations. Prevailing theme, if we're going to survive, we need to have more jobs, less profits. The jobs that could be created are something like native plant landscaper. We need landscapers that understand native plants and therefore understand what it takes to create habitat for bees butterflies and birds, and when we do that, it will also create cleaner water for reasons that are beyond the scope of this conversation. But we can create jobs if we are willing to pose a threat to the profits of the big corporations. And that is one example of socialism as opposed to capitalism because socialism means different things to different people and so does capitalism means different things to different people but one example of socialism is where you focus more on jobs less on profits the federal government and, and all other governments need to be in the business of creating industries and therefore a lot of jobs with them now it's a myth The free market fairy tale wants to convince us that government is not the engine of growth and government is inefficient and government is incompetent and government is not, it's not an appropriate role for government to play to create jobs and to create industries. But the truth is more interesting and the truth is just the opposite of the free market fairy tale. The reality is that the government creates jobs and industries. For one thing, the government create, you know, spends a trillion dollars a year on the military, which is no disrespect to the people who serve in the military, but as an institution, it is a fundamentally destructive industry. It is fundamentally destructive. But another interesting thing about the military is that when we spend money on military, there's a lot of research and development that comes out of that. There's lots of spin-off technologies. For example, we only have computers, including cell phones, because the government did a lot of research for a lot of years and created all the basic components of a, a cell phone. So government research creates industries, and government funding creates jobs. Anything you hear to the contrary is a cruel joke. Now, I've only got about another minute and a half left. I want to leave you with something to think about. So I've said many times that we have an opportunity to create a whole new world. One, uh, you know, A whole new world that includes things like local organic farms where we can get safe, nutritious food affordably. We have an opportunity to create a, a, a transportation system where people can get around on buses and trains and not have to spend $10,000 per car per year on automobile transportation. And when somebody asks how we're going to pay for all this, I want you to respond as follows: Ask them, "How do we pay for the system that we have now? How do we pay for a highly polluting system?" For one thing, we pay for it with health care costs. but you know we we pay for we spend money on subsidies for fossil fuels which is exactly the opposite of what we need we spend a trillion dollars a year on defense which is not defense it makes us less safe not more safe so we have an opportunity to create a whole new world it is feasible we just need to get our we need to get ourselves and our politicians mobilized to make it happen That's all for today. Thank you for joining me. Hope you've enjoyed this. Come back soon. Bye now.